God has a mysterious plan for us to grow us and mature us. He is at work in all of our lives, drawing us to Him, teaching us to trust Him, and developing our faith. Inside of us is a new creation waiting to emerge, one that reflects the beauty and likeness of our Redeemer. When we trust, when we obey, we step into a new way of life. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're tuning in today. All of those of you who are online, we're so grateful that you are a part of the service today. And everybody that is in person on all of our campuses, yay God for Richmond Rosenberg. We're so glad that you are a part of the service today. And yay God for Missouri City campus and that you are a part of it. And for our Darrington campus, we thank God for you and our Sugarland campus. We welcome everybody that is in person today. I hope you've had a great week. I mean, how could you not? The weather's been fantastic, and uh, it's been spring break for the kids, and tomorrow spring break's over, and now it's a break for the parents, and so this is, these are just great, great days. Now, you may have noticed that there is a graphic we've been using, and it's this graphic right here for this series that we're in. It, it is a caterpillar on the bottom and a butterfly on the top. And that caterpillar, as he's walking along, just barely making it, he's goes, going so slow. As he's walking along, maybe, it may be that he looks up into the, to, to the sky and he happens to see a butterfly fly by. And he thinks to himself, oh, how I wish I could be a butterfly. I am so tired of just crawling along the ground. I'd love to be free. I would love to have wings. I would love to be able to fly and to be so beautiful. Look at that butterfly. And maybe that caterpillar looks up at the butterflies in the sky three or four times. And the more he does, the more he sees them, the more depressed he becomes. But he doesn't realize that there is a miracle coming. For him, there is a metamorphosis that is coming. The word metamorphosis just means a transformation, but it is such a deep transformation, such a life-altering transformation, and it is coming for him. And guess what? It is coming for you. Yes. Yes, it is coming for you, and it is coming for me, and that is what I want to talk to you about today. We're in a series entitled Becoming a Better Me, and what this series is, is about is from the, just the middle verses, just the middle of chapter two of the book of Philippians. We're going through the book of Philippians. By the time we get to the end of 2021, we will have been through this amazing book. And in the very middle of the chapter two of Philippians, these, there's a group of verses that talk about becoming a better me. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean that the moment that Jesus Christ comes to live inside of you, the Holy Spirit comes to occupy you, you begin to change. He begins to transform your life little by little by little. He is changing you into the nature, into the character of Jesus Christ. The love and the joy and the peace and the patience. Yes, patience is coming for you. 
the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness, all the characteristics of the nature and the character of Jesus Christ, you are being slowly but surely changed to become like Jesus Christ. Now, it's the same you, it's the same personality, you got the same talents and abilities, you have the same weaknesses, but inside of you, you be, you're becoming slowly but surely a different person. You are becoming like Jesus Christ. And that's what we're talking about today. This is the last message of the three parts, just a short little series, and I want to talk to you about that idea, be transformed. Now, look at the passage that we're in. It is Philippians chapter 2 and verses 14 to 16, and notice what it says. Do all things without complaining and disputing. This is what we looked at, this verse we looked at last Sunday morning. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of God. There are three key principles that I want you to grasp from this passage of scripture. And the first one is simply this. In Jesus, we are in the process of a transformation. In other words, it didn't just boom, happen all at once. It is a process that we are walking through all through our lives. We are in the process of being transformed formed into the image of Christ. We talk about that a lot at Sugar Creek, and we use the phrase life change in Christ. It's in our purpose statement, and we all know our purpose statement. I want to ask all of you that are at home, maybe the only one in the room, or maybe the whole family is gathered, or in all three of our, uh, four of our campuses, I'm going to ask you to repeat our purpose statement with me. Would you do that? Our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. I'm so proud of this church that you know that purpose statement inside your heart. It's a part of you from the time little bitty child to the oldest senior adult. And it is that phrase, life change in Christ. That's the transformation. That's the transformation that is happening in your life. So let's grab the story. When God finds us, He finds us spiritually dead in our sins and our trespasses. Listen to how it is put in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. God embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. And he did all this on his own with no help from us. See, this isn't how most people think. Most people think of it this way. I really want to get God's attention. I I want to figure out how I can get to know the God of the universe, and I'm going to try harder. I'm going to work better. I'm going to go to church more often, and I'm going to be nicer to people. I'm going to be nicer to my parents or my kids or or my spouse, and I'm going to be nicer to my neighbor, and, and I'm going to do special things that I sort of suspect God would want me to do. I've got a feeling God will notice, and when he notices, he's going to say, you know, you're such a good person. Why don't you just come into my family and you can even come into heaven because you're so good. And that's the way most people believe that it is, but it isn't the truth. It's not true. This is not what happened. Here is what actually happened. You were dead, spiritually dead in your sin. You weren't looking for God. You didn't have any idea about God. 
You didn't care about God, but God saw you in that, that situation. And God loved you. Even in the midst of the sin that we were doing, God loved you. And God reached out and he told you about himself. He drew you to himself and he saved you. And he did it all himself. It wasn't you. It wasn't your goodness. The only thing we do is reach out and take hold of the gift, free gift of God that he offers to us. And he saves us and it begins to change us. The Bible calls that being born again. Well, we know we were born physically. We celebrate our birthday every year. But we're dead spiritually. And now when God comes to live inside of us, we are spiritually born, born again. And we are being made alive in Jesus Christ. And he's changed us. Listen to what the Bible describes in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Do you know Jesus is your savior? You become a new person and the old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, this new life he's talking about, this new change that is happening in you is a change of process. It doesn't happen all at once. He begins, and the key word in Philippians chapter 2.15 is this, the words will become. It means it hasn't fully happened yet, but it's in process it is becoming. That caterpillar, that ugly old caterpillar has been infused with a DNA that is going to cause him to turn into a butterfly. And the very moment you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, the Holy Spirit of God infused you with the DNA of Jesus inside you, and you will be transformed into the character and image of Jesus Christ. Now, your circumstances don't say that. Your circumstances are telling you, you're never going to get over your weaknesses. You're never going to get over your addictions. You're never going to make anything of your life. You're not going to turn the world upside down. Your life doesn't really matter that much, but your circumstances are liars. It's not true. God did not save you so that you can crawl through this life. He saved you so that you could soar in the life to come and the life you're living right now. He came to change you and to change the trajectory of your life. To make you into a new person in him. Now I want you to think about that caterpillar for just a moment. Here's a picture of the caterpillar. Is that ugly or what? You see, if, if that was a it would be a monster if it was bigger. It is as ugly as it can be. It's the most unlikely suspect to become a butterfly in the whole universe. And it is though God created this caterpillar to be turned into a butterfly to remind you and I, if he can turn something that ugly into something so beautiful, God can do anything in your life. If you will let him, if you will give him the freedom, if you will yield yourself to him, God can do anything in your life. So here is this caterpillar, and something begins to happen to him. He doesn't even know what it is. He begins to feel differently. He begins to feel like something's changing. And for some strange reason, he feels like he's got to build a cocoon. <laughs> well, he's never built a cocoon before, but he starts building this cocoon. And then, and then he climbs inside the cocoon, and then he closes the cocoon up from the inside. 
And after he's been inside that cocoon for a little while, you know what happens? He thinks to himself, good grief, look at me. I, 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 I can't even move. I, at least out there I could crawl around a little bit, but now I can't even move. And it is pitch dark in here. What have I done to myself? When, when a person keeps, gives their heart to Christ, maybe they're an adult and they've been far from God or a teenager far from God and they've turned their heart to the Lord and, and now they're beginning, sometimes beginning to think, you know what, now everything's going to even out for me. Everything's going to be easy. Everything's going to be good. I've accepted Jesus. I have God in my heart. And then hard times come and dark moments come and, and, and struggles and pain and it's not working out and, and I don't understand this and God, I have this illness and I prayed and you haven't, you haven't healed me and God, I got these problems with finances and, and I'm praying and I'm asking you to take charge of this and it's, it's not turning around for me and I, I'm not understanding the darkness. I'm not understanding what's going on in me. God then whispers in your heart from 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, for everyone who is born of God, born again, everyone who is born again overcomes the world. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you been born again? He says there is a destiny for you, and it cannot be altered that you will overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. God is whispering into our ears. Let me tell you how the story ends. You're in the middle of the story, but let me tell you how it ends. You win. You will have victory. Don't believe the circumstances that you're going through. Don't, don't let them dictate to you your joy or steal it from you because I am here. And I am at work in your life. Well, the time comes for the caterpillar. The transformation is happening. He doesn't even realize everything that's going on, but now there is this sense in his heart, I got to get out of this cocoon. And when he breaks out of the cocoon, it's not easy. It is hard. And he, he doesn't just crack it open and then, and then come out. No, that's not what happens. He begins to eat away at it and, and push away at it. But it is a struggle. It is a pain. It is a difficulty to get out of that cocoon. It's not easy. He struggles and struggles and struggles and pushes and trying to get out of that cocoon. But science tells us that the harder the struggle of a, of a caterpillar getting out of the cocoon, the deeper the colors are on the wings of the butterfly. That struggle does something to the wings. It causes the color to be more beautiful and deeper. You and I are going through struggles and going through hurt and the lights are out. I just feel there's darkness everywhere and I can't get to the other side. And God, I pray and you don't change the situation right now. But God is saying, no, I've shown you where we're going to end. But here's what I want you to know. I'm in the middle of this. I'm using these moments in your life to deepen the color of your wings, to deepen you and grow you and mature you. You've got to give me permission to do this in your life. And whatever you do, do not short circuit this process. I'm using this time to grow you, to deepen you. You've got to be willing to trust me because it's your faith that will take you to the other side. 
Listen to what he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. What, is it, what are we going to be like in heaven? What are we going to look like in heaven? What are all the things we're going to be doing in heaven? There's so much we do not yet know, but this we do know. We know that when he, Christ, appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. The transformation will be complete. Maybe that is when Jesus comes back for us and we meet him in the air and we see him, or when the last heartbeat happens and we leave our spirit, leaves this body, rises up out of this body, and goes into the presence of Jesus. But at the very moment we see Jesus Christ, the transformation's done, it's over. It's complete. And here's what I'm saying to you is, in the middle of the pain and the struggle and the hurt, I, I feel for you, I know how you feel. But in the midst of going through this life and all that it brings, don't quit, don't give up, don't become discouraged. Because you win. You keep remembering you win. And what you're going through right now is little in comparison to the glory coming. You just keep being faithful to God. Now this is, this is what he is saying, this whole transformation. It's the first principle. But then there is the second principle he teaches, and it's this. Between now, where you are, and when that transformation is done, we are to act like the sons and daughters of God are supposed to act. We're going to act, we're to, to act like God. Look at how he puts it. Philippians chapter two, verse 14 to 16. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Now, last Sunday, we looked at verse 14, where it says, do everything without complaining and arguing. It doesn't mean that you, you, okay, I have a different opinion. It doesn't mean, well, I see something I'd like to bring up. The issue is how we do it. It's how we say what we say. Oh, good grief. Maturing in how we address issues and disappointments. One of my earlier churches, I was just, I was just about 25. I, I guess I was 22 or so when I went to that church as their pastor. And I'm about 25. I was there for about six years. And that was about 15 or 20 years ago. And uh, I, I was there and um, it was just a little church. I was in seminary and I, there was a guy there that was about 20 years older than me and I was trying to build a relationship with him. We went out to eat and, and we had a great conversation. When we came back, as we were driving back, he was doing the driving. He made this statement to me. He said, you know, Mark, I haven't been in a good church fight in a long time. I kind of miss it. <laughs> I laughed out loud. I just laughed out loud and I said, Harry, do you realize what you just said? That church had a history of fighting, and he had a history of being in the middle of every one of them. Well, we never fought in my six years there. And honestly, I've never had 
I've never been in a church fight. I'd be so ashamed. I'd be ashamed because I would think, look how poorly I have led that I have taken this church into a fight and other churches are watching and the community knows. and, And Paul is saying, I I want you to learn how to deal with difficulties and and not always be complaining and and fighting. And then see what he says in verse 15. See the word that in, in Philippians chapter two, verse 15. So that instead of acting like the children of the devil, that's what he means, the crooked and depraved generation, that you act like the children of God. So, so how, does, how do the children of God act? Well, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, there are two words in the Greek that are translated children. The first word is the word technon, T-E-K-N-O-N, technon, and it means little babies, a newborn baby, a little toddler, a little, little bitty child. And our church has little baby Christians in our church. We want little baby Christians. It means people have just come to know Jesus as their Savior, and now they're beginning this new life in Christ. We, we want all kinds of new baby Christians. And that's how the Bible describes them, technon, T-E-K-N-O-N, little baby Christians. But did you know, this is going to shock you, did you know that in some churches, maybe all these churches are all, all, all around here, in some churches there are people who have been Christians for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and they still act like baby Christians, never grown up. We don't have any of those in our church, but there are other churches around us that baby do. Just acting like baby Christians. Technon. But there's a second kind of child that the Bible talks about, and it is as the, it's pronounced weis, and it's, it's actually H-U-O-I-S. That's how you, you spell it, but it, it's pronounced weis. And this weis kind of child that it's talking about is talking about a mature, a grown-up child, a grown-up son or daughter that acts like their parents, and, and that's good, that acts like their parents. And when it talks about the grown-up children of God, it is a mature Christian, a grown-up child, Christian son or daughter that acts just like God. And that's the word that is used when he says children of God in Philippians 2.15. That you may be grown up, mature sons and daughters of the most high God. Usually in the New Testament, when it uses that word, weis, it translates it sons of God. And it means sons and daughters of God. And when you bring together all the passages of Scripture everywhere in the New Testament that use sons of God, and you sort of boil down what they're all teaching, it all comes down to this. It always comes down to how we treat each other. 
how we treat each other. Don't underestimate this issue before you meet God. Don't underestimate this. It matters to God a great deal how we treat him and how we treat each other. And one day we are going to come before God himself and after there's the welcomes and all this and there's a conversation that happens, it's going to be, but how did you treat me and how did you treat others? Don't underestimate this. One of the names of God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Shalom, and the word shalom means peace, and it comes from Judges chapter 6, verse 24, and it says, So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is peace. Now, it didn't say the Lord wants peace. The Lord likes peace. The Lord prefers peace. It says the Lord is peace. God is peace. Now, we know all those verses in the Bible that says God is love. And this verse is saying God is peace. So to become more like God is to become more loving. And it is to become more peaceful with God, with ourselves, and with others. And this is why Jesus put it this way in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and listen to what he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Grown-up Christians, sons and daughters of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Did you know that the word peacemakers, actually, that Greek word actually means bridge builders. Building bridges. From one person to another. Bridge builders. We are living right now in a culture that is thriving on hatred and fear being fueled everywhere we turn. You go to CNN, you go to Fox News, you go to uh, MSNBC, you go to ABC, CBS, and NBC in the national level, not the local. And you go watch all the news and it is a steady diet of hate and of fear. And it is a steady diet because this is how they make money. If we get more people to watch us, we will get more money from advertisers. And to get more people to watch us, we have to keep helping them to know they are to hate and they are to be afraid. And this is how they're making money. And they're tearing us apart and causing us to be suspicious of each other and be afraid. But Jesus said, blessed are the bridge builders that brings a person over here and a person over there and there's a gap in between that brings people together, that helps people learn to love each other and, and discover they're not a stereotype. They're human beings. 
And I can love that person. That person can love me. And blessed are those who are actively helping bring other people together. Bridge builders. Because they are the grown-up, mature sons and daughters of God. There's another place that uses sons of God. And it's Luke chapter 6, verse 27. And listen to what it says. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the devil's crowd does that. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even those who love Satan do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. No, this is not how I want you to live. This is Jesus talking. And listen to what he says. But love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then, circle the word then, it's the key word, your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So Jesus describes what an enemy is. So what is an enemy? An enemy is someone who hates you. Someone who wants you to be hurt, wants you to be damaged, means ill will towards you, and when you have some negative thing that happens to you, there is a joy in their heart. An enemy is someone who curses you. And I'm not talking about cuss words. I'm talking about somebody who in first century to curse you means they call down ill will. They criticize you. They berate you. They belittle you. An enemy is someone who purposely misuses you, who seeks to exploit you, to treat you as a means to their ends. An enemy is someone who physically abuses you, who attacks you physically. Now listen to me what, what I'm saying. What Jesus is telling us is this. When we are loving our enemy, we are more like God than we will ever be in our lives. We are more like God in that moment. No, I want to get back. Now, when you and I love our enemy, we're more like God than we will ever have been before. But love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back, and then your reward will be great. You know, stop. You know what he's saying? I'm watching. God is saying, I'm watching. I'm seeing. I see when you find a moment in which you want to strike back. You want to hit that person right back again. But you choose not to. God says, I'm watching, and I see, wow, I'm proud of you. 
I'm so proud of you. Let me tell you something. A day's going to come. You're going to stand in front of me, God is saying, and I'm going to bring this back up to you, and I'm going to tell you, I'm so proud of you. And what you did, great will be your reward in heaven. And you will be sons, mature sons and daughters who act just like God. That's how I'll see you. Because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. In between now, we're headed toward a transformation where little by little is happening. One day it'll be completed. But between now and then, God says, I want you to grow up in your Christian life and start acting like me. And I'm watching and I'm going to be so proud of you as you do it. And here is the last thing. And when we're acting like God, we are lighting up the darkness. Philippians 2, 15 and 16, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life. There's the picture from the, from the space station and, and, and it's showing a picture and the space station is on the, on the dark side. The sun is shining on the other side of the earth, but this is on the dark side and it's showing you the pictures. And when you see the whole picture, there is this halo around the earth. You know, the sun is on the other side. But now whenever it, it begins to zoom in, it's just all darkness. But then you see a light, a small light. It's from a little town or, or a, a, a small city. And you see all these lights, these points of lights in the darkness. And Jesus said, when he came to the earth, the world was full of darkness. But it was also full of religion. There was religion everywhere. Every culture had a religion. And yet he said it was full of darkness. There, there is the idea today that, that, that all religions somehow find their way, make their way to God. But it's not true. The Bible says it doesn't true. Jesus said no one comes to the Father but by me. The world was full of darkness and full of religion at the same time when Jesus came. But Jesus said when I came, I am the light of the world. And then he says to every person that follows him, and you are the light, and you are the light, and you are the light. When I was a little kid growing up in church, my dad was a pastor. I was a Southern Baptist little kid, and, and I was growing up in, in Sunday school in sunbeams. And, and one of the songs we sang was this little light of mine, and we'd always stick our finger up. I don't know if you've ever heard the song, but this little light, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Put it under a bushel. No! That's how we would always say it as kids. Yell it. No! Put it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. See, this is why I am a teaching pastor and not a worship pastor. God, when he came to live inside of you, he turned the light on in you. Now you're a light. How do we be a light in the world? We practice what we preach. We read the Bible and actually do it. Growing up to be a mature son and daughter of God is not, does not mean you know a whole lot of Bible. It means you do a whole lot of Bible. 
You can know a whole lot of Bible and still be a, a, a small little immature brat as a Christian kid. But doing what the Bible says, oh, that's, that's how you become the light of those people in darkness around you. There was a police officer that pulled over a guy, and the guy pulled over, and the siren was going, and the lights were going, pulled over. The police officer came to the window, and the guy, and, he, and, the, and the officer said, could I see your license and your registration? And he said, yeah, but okay, and he handed it to him, and, and then the, the officer was looking at and comparing the two, and then the man said, I don't understand this. I, I know I wasn't speeding, and I know I didn't run through a red light. I mean, why did you stop me? And the guy said, the policeman said, well, because when I was behind you and I was watching, I saw when the woman in front of you cut you off, and you shook your fist at that woman, and you were saying some stuff, and I got a feeling it, it, you, it, wasn't, it wasn't from the Bible. And so you were saying some stuff, and then when that guy from the truck drove up next to you, I could see you were turning and screaming and yelling at the truck driver. I don't know what he did. And, and then when you couldn't get through the light and, the, and you had to stop, you pounded on the steering wheel. And the man said, but... That's not illegal, is it, to do any of that? And the officer said, no, but when I saw that Sugar Creek Baptist Church label tag on the back of your, your, your car, I was sure this was a stolen car. Now, that never happened. I, I'm, I just made that up. But what I'm saying is, is that we can't act one way on Sunday morning and act a different way on Monday morning and reach anybody. There were, it's an old story, two miners found gold in a cave in their, on their property and, and they didn't have the right tools, didn't have enough tools. They had to go to the store, had to go to town and buy tools, but they didn't want to let anybody know they had found gold. Man, they would, people would be pouring in. So they made the decision, we're not telling anybody about the gold. Went in, they bought the tools, they came back to their house and half the town came with them. Why are y'all here? You found gold. We didn't tell you we found gold. No, they said, but we could see it on your face. Can anybody, when they see you, walking into a store, talking to them here or there, can they ever see Jesus in you? Can they see that you're different? Be a light. be a light. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and oh God, we needed what you had to say to us in this passage. And God, I'm not there. I'm trying to get there, but I just need, Lord, help me to keep yielding because I want to be this person in everything I do. God, help us. I pray, Father, you'd move in hearts of people that know you as Savior, but are not being the light, and they know it. They're, they're not being the grown-up, mature sons and daughters of God, and they know it. And, oh, God, I pray you would move in our heart and begin to change us and help us to understand what it means, what it means to grow up spiritually and begin to live what it is we're reading in our lives. 
I pray, Father, for those who are listening online and, and, and in person in one of these on our campuses that do not know Jesus yet as their Savior. And, oh, God, I pray they'd come to know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And I pray for they go to the, the, the online Next Step Center of their online. They go to the Next Step Center on every campus, and they would come and talk to one of our ministers. God, move in hearts. Give a want to, a sense in their heart. I need Jesus. I need to get this right in my life. I pray, Father, that you would touch the hearts of those who do know Jesus. To repent, to turn our heart to you, to say, oh God, I yield even more of myself to you. I want to be spirit-filled and spirit-led. I want to be in the middle of what you're doing and who you are. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.